All right. Well, I think I think there are two crucial updates we need to get. One, Brandon, have the zombies, the the frost zombies, all been killed? Are things back to normal? What's going on? Yes the the cold weather is mostly gone. It's it's been you know very nice here in uh, Texas. I will say uh, I have today. I had a personal, um, a really exciting milestone as I was able to buy a new tankless water heater off Facebook from a uh, person who was actually, off Facebook. Yeah, so I couldn't believe it. This person, I'm looking for the specific model. It was on Facebook. I went down there and I was like, oh, I just, I felt like it's, this is going to be a scam or whatever. But it turns out this this person had started this uh, guerrilla uh, plumbing effort to help people within Austin to like, you know, get all the their plumbing because there's oh. so many problems. And he, he ended up ordering a few extras and he ended up having this extra because he was able to repair one. And he was just genuinely... Uh, a nice, I guess I should say this before it's, I haven't installed the tankless water here, so I don't, I mean, it's seen, so, but it's like, he showed me hey, the receipt. It was, in, it was in Home Depot and like, I just like could not, I had a hard time believing there was generously a, just a nice person that was selling the water heater that I needed at the same price that you could buy it at the store. And there was like no <laughs> game or fraud. And then he showed me an article. He's like written up in USA Today as part of this effort. And I was just like, that's great. That was a great validation. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to do it. But it, it, again, like, I just, I don't know. This is just maybe my nature. I just was, I had a hard time believing it. So I'm excited yeah, yeah, yeah. that well, someone you know, I, did after that. that. That set of speakers you got off the back of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I believe it. So, um, so that's good. So the net net is that's good. And then um, on this one street, I, I've seen like the plumbers every week, right where I live. There's now, mm. it's like, I think four of the four or five houses consecutively every day they've had a different plumber getting their tankless water heater um, yeah, installed. So the, the net net of the tankless water heater, it seems to be great. Uh, if you do go without power for three days in freezing temperatures, the outdoor tankless water heater, not a good design. Very bad. Do not do that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, are you going to, are you going to install it indoors? Is that the solution? No, I mean, it's kind of like a software thing. I can't like, it's all this hookup and everything. It's like, you know, that would require more re-engineering to like try to bring so, it inside. So, mm-hmm. so what, what you have to do then, let's continue the software analogy is you actually have to build an additional shed over it. it yes, that like. would be, that would be. With, now, now mm-hmm. what, what we call mm-hmm. that in the business is an API. Yes. yes. So you're going to build an API <laughs> over it. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, hot water comes in. Yeah, that's all no, I, that's right. Because I, I have about. the endpoint. I have the endpoint where it is. So yeah. it's like I can just replace uh-huh. the API just as it was before, or I could take additional efforts to, if you will, build a container around my API. And yeah. then, uh, but I probably won't do any of that. I'll probably this, just be so happy what, to get it working. I mean, this is what they you. don't tell you. This is what they don't tell you about tech debt is that if you have the money to pay it to service the loan, it might be a good idea. <laughs> That's right. Well, I don't know like, how like, many of you have taken a cold shower recently, like a legitimately cold shower with no, zero no. hot water. I was like, I, I was nope. like, I know there are nope. like a lot of forms of torture. <laughs> I was like, I, this is it though. This, I mean, I know there are things that are much, much worse, but I was like, I could barely make it through the shower without it, like really, I mean, I, re, if I had to go a f- few more minutes, um, you know, you could have had anything I ever, uh, anything I had, you could have just taken it. From me. it so I, I, you know, it, my my uh, last week's recommendation, the the genie and the gullum or gullum and the genie, there's a scene where someone uh, is heating up some water. And I was wondering what they were doing it for, but they were heating it up so that they could use it to uh, basically, you know, uh, wash themselves with a rag on a stick, as it were. And uh, instead of <laughs> taking a shower. Yeah, which made sense. It's, you know, it was like 1923 New York. So I guess that's what one would do. Okay, so now uh, my second question before I get to the second topic is you've reminded me 
I, I, uh, of something that I, I thought was a very interesting thought exercise. And I want to run through a free market libertarian thought exercise here, Brandon. Oh, my gosh. Now, I don't know. This may be the wrong time for me. Like, I am not on this train right now. Like, like now, yeah, uh, nobody in Texas is I am, like, like, I am off the train. No, no that, that, is, that is why I'm asking you. And this is a very specific thing pertinent to water heaters. Now, I used to listen to this podcast, Econ Talk, with Russ Meyer. Yes. And uh, I don't know. Meyer. I mean, I would probably still listen to it. I, I'm sure if I probably needed to stop in the Trump years because they probably mm-hmm. just went totally off the rails, but whatever. Uh, and there was one episode with this Mike Munger guy who is a delight to listen to despite his, his sort of like moral position on things. And he was saying that price fixing in a crisis is not helpful and he used the following case study as an example, that there was some sort of hurricane, natural disaster right. somewhere I think, on the east. The Uber? Go, keep going. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. And, right, and, yeah. and so there were a bunch of entre- un- entrepreneuring, enterprising, okay. entrepreneurial, uh, you know, young fellas with a truck who went to another state and they bought, they went to Costco and bought a whole bunch of bottled water mm-hmm. and they loaded up in the truck and then they drove to the middle of this town and they were selling the bottled water for like $5 a bottle, right? right. And then the cops came and busted them okay. for like being assholes, right? right? And, yep. and Munger was like, and, and then there was no water, right? <laughs> right and, yep. and so it's, it's kind of like in, in the, the extreme free market thing, it's that like you have this demand and the supply is low. And the way you satisfy that demand is you do not have price fixing and you allow the market which is brandon wanting a hot shower to determine the uh the cost of the good even though the cost of the good is artificially inflated by a, a temporal like blip in the system so what is your take on this kind of like thing here and it still wants a hot shower yeah well i definitely still want to, <laughs> well i mean i think you know the way i've heard it is like the one i thought the story you were going to tell was something like uber and and um you know the the, the fact that they the price goes up when there was a snowstorm and they were saying like well, yeah, that's why it costs several hundred dollars. But if you just want to go a few blocks, yeah, yeah, you're not yeah, going to pay it. Yeah. But then if you're, for example, if you were um, like a medical emergency, you would pay that, right? So that's a way to like prioritize it. So, yep, yep. Like, I mean, me, I think I think cold shower is a medical emergency. Yeah, so I don't Let, know, but just I just kind of come down. back to, it's like, it, um, you know, is capitalism or just free market economics a good way to like, if there's limited resources to, okay. I mean, it is a way to mm, allocate mm. them. I'm not like, I get that. I understand what it is, but I guess to me, you have to step further back in this chain. It's just like, well, um, you know, is it, un- was it unreasonable for us all to expect there would be electricity at least sometime during the coldest spell of all of Texas? And like, didn't we, yeah, aren't we paying yeah. a lot of money to prevent, to basically, prevent this outage is right. So then after, if you're saying, well, pff, you know, who could have saw it coming? Like you should have all been prepared. If that was the case, if we should have all been prepared, I would be a little bit more open to like, well, Hey, the pricing, you know, to your thing about free market determines the resources now, but it's like when you are in this moment and you're like, in your case, it was water. In this case it was heat, but it's like, I mean, these are pretty fundamental, fundamental life things that you need for life. So it's like, and again, like they actually gave out a lot of water. They just, you know, you just could go yeah, to school yeah, yeah. and get a case yeah. of water. So, so to me in the times of like, a, uh, what I would call the, the necessities, electricity and water at a time of great need, you know, while the free market may be a good way to do it, it does seem like that's a time for some to be charitable. And now if we were talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. 
baseball cards or non-fungible tokens and things like that, let's like go for it, free market. Or GameStop, I'm like all in. I'm like, let's just go yeah. crazy with GameStop. Go nuts. I, go do whatever you want. But like when it comes to yeah. Like yeah. the other stuff, I'm yeah. like, hey, maybe we should step back and think about this a little bit more. Yeah. I, I, I think I think I think that is the uh that is the problem with all the the uh, let's call them the 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 orthodox free market people is they don't know where to put the cut line where the market applies right, right? Yes. like and and they get very confused about like well when do we just make sure people don't suffer right <laughs> right like and and, well, and they don't, it's, it's hard for them to figure that amount out. of suffering they're like you know hey you know, the government wouldn't have given us this monopoly on electricity if they didn't mind a bit of suffering. And <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> you, well, you know, and, a lot and to I, unpack there. But I think and, I, I, with this, your thing this, there. Is, this is another topic I don't know anything about, so I'm going to talk about it for a little bit. Is like, I think maybe <laughs> the problem is the free market people don't like it when you, as a dare I say proletariat, have spotted when they violated a contract. And they don't want, and that contract being, you know, the social contract of when it's like, uh, you know, negative two degrees, I should have heat. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's just like, there's kind of like, maybe we didn't write it down and sign it in DocuSign, but like we kind of know, or, or like in my scenario, like if there's no fresh water to drink, like you know, the contract has been violated and now you free market person or not, I shouldn't say person. Now you, the free market, like have violated the contract and you owe me some shit. Right. And like, <laughs> well, I think they're just, they're just going to, you know, oh, Milton Friedman it and say like, well, you know, company's business wasn't to take care of you. The government <laughs> yeah, should have yeah, put yeah. better rules in place. Yeah. And, our, our, and then yeah. of course, at the same time, the companies are, you know, tearing down the government to, to keep those rules from. Well, I do think there's something, something inside your conversation here around insurance is like how likely, like, was it, was it reasonable to foresee this event? And could you have protected yourself from it? Because to your point, like if you're like worried about price spikes and something, right, you would say, I'm going to take some, some uh, yeah, actions, yeah, yeah. you know, this is kind of like some Matt Levine stuff. Like I'm going to normalize this so that, because I can't, I can't pay for like, you know, $10,000 for an hour of electricity. So I'm going to take, I'm gonna pay a little extra to insure myself against that. And so, yeah, yeah. and in the case of when things do go bad, I do think this is where people like, if it was, was unforeseeable, then you kind of do look to the government right? To say, well, you're going to insurance. Yeah. It's like, there's almost 0% interest rate. So I'm just like, whatever, borrow as much money as you need. Like, let's fix this. Like, I mean, you know, it's like, fix yeah, this I, problem. I, I think you're hitting on another thing is that there's another assumption with the, the orthodox, whatever, free market people where all of the actors in the system have time to read the fine print. Right. Yeah, and like, and we're, we're, whereas like what, what we as a group of, I haven't, I haven't checked Wikipedia, but I think, you know, the U.S. is what, 300 million people. And over here, we're like seven, eight million people. And right. like what you as, as a group are trying to optimize on is like, why don't we get the people whose job it is to read the fine print and hedge things out to do that for us? And that is why we pay into the system versus like the situation that you tend to get in, in, more of these orthodox systems where the people who are smart enough to read the fine print and do the hedging just keep all the money for themselves. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. and it's just, and it's sort of, sort of like, you know, like I get it. I want to be as filthy rich as the next person, but at some point, <laughs> like, 
Like, could you like, you know, throw a brother a bone and like not have me be the one who's like clicking on the Eula of life and getting fucked? Like that's <laughs> that's like clicking on hey, the Hey, hey, those the bones Eula are gonna make life. great roads. Gosh, that is I mean just... All right, all right. So that's that first topic. Second topic, which maybe will have to be a little shorter so we can get on to the, the regular uh, thrilling world of enterprise. I was explaining to my, my speaking of being all privileged, my financial manager earlier today, and I was like, now don't fall asleep. He asked me what podcast I do, and I was like, it's about uh, enterprise infrastructure software, which uh, <laughs> has a surprisingly large audience. But yes. anyhow, so Matt Ray, how's the sabbatical yes. going? T tell us. Here, here's how I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna limit the time. Tell us one thing you you are surprised that has happened, or you've appreciated, or that you've learned, or that has gone poorly. Something surprising that's occurred. Well, well, uh, we we other than the dog. Oh, okay. We all know you got a dog. Chewing up time and feet and fingers and uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we. we tried to get an older dog the kids weren't having it and now oh, the kids are like, oh i love an older dog much. i i love yes. i love the idea of an old dog one very calm right you know not, you get... not old six months you know the, well, no no, no. And, i'm saying and past biting i yeah, no i want i want an old dog that is uh it's it's like at that perfect sweet spot of like calm not gonna cut and and also gonna die soon also <laughs> not gonna not gonna cost me a lot on the journey to the grave right yeah which, which well, is we, Which I we think had I think the long journey that was well, very I think, expensive. I think what I'm trying to say With is no I payoff. I don't want to have pets. I don't want pets. I have I got plenty of other stuff going on. I don't need more living creatures in the house. Right? Okay. Um, all right. All right. So other than the dog, which congratulations, the dog's yeah, adorable. Yeah. Looks cute. Other than the dog, um, I don't have as much free time as I wanted, um, oh, and that's interesting. Uh, maybe we could talk about that, uh, mm -hmm. post sabbatical or, you know, but I'm already thinking I, I've got two months of, of long service leave. I might need to take the other month <laughs> just, just to fully decompress. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think maybe I'm just, I'm just throwing this out here, Matt Ray. Maybe what you need to have is, I don't know if this is to be an OKR, a KPI or an MBO. But you should set a level of aptitude for surfing. And until you hit that level, <laughs> it's not time to go back to work. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do have plans to probably go surfing this afternoon. Um, <laughs> That's I, what I I'm saying. A, a few calls coming up. You got to figure out um, the I, maturity model and, and figure out the point you want to be in there yep. before you return back to, uh, to work. Yeah, there, there, may be, there may be a trip to, uh, to, to check out buying a wetsuit today. So... I am investing, investing in that part of of it. Uh, I, I I am, uh, you know, last I did publish that blog post about uh, building my own monitor. Now uh, I'm looking yeah, at building a, a Raspberry Pi cluster. So yep. you know, there there are some some benefits to the sabbatical. I, th um, I think I think when you can successfully stand up for. I don't even know how long, 90 seconds on a surfboard that is also housing uh, a Beowulf. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody rides a surfboard is it, is for it 90 15? seconds. What, what's, what's the regular amount of time? You're probably talking like rodeo time, like 10 seconds. Okay, right? okay. So here, here's my suggestion for a goal. You, you go back to work when you can ride a surfboard for 10 <laughs> seconds that also contains a Beowulf cluster. That's 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 what I want you to do. I don't even know what that means, but okay. <laughs> that sounds like a good MBO to me.
This episode is brought to you by StrongDM. Managing access to infrastructure is hard. Databases, servers, web apps, Kubernetes clusters, and they all have different ways of managing access. Meet StrongDM. It's a proxy to manage access to all infrastructure. Need to give the marketing team access to BigQuery and GCP? Done. Does an engineer need access to customer-hosted Windows servers? No problem. DevOps needs to open up an interactive shell on EKS? So easy. And it just works. Admins, you can easily extend your identity provider to infrastructure, automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles using Terraform or the API. And your end users love it because there's zero change to workflow. StrongDM is trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi to manage access. Start your free 14-day trial today with no credit card required at strongdm.com sdt. That's strongdm.com sdt. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. All right. Well, I think I think we have some uh, uh, some follow up. We need to go through Brandon. I think uh, uh, two weeks ago, when when you were having cold showers, and uh, you know we we uh, we were talking about like what is the possibility to like apply our kind of DevOps think to this this Texas power grid situation, and I and I think you know we talked for a long time. I, I listened to it. It was it was an enjoyable conversation. But I think. I think we got we got called out a little bit for uh, maybe imprecisely using the phrase "blameless postmortem," which which I think probably fair. But uh, I I very quickly I you know read up on on a few sources to make sure that I remembered correctly what it was there, what was mm-hmm. going on. So you know, first of all, sorry if I mischaracterized things that 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 wasn't my intention. But I think I think maybe. Uh, as usual, what we were doing is I feel like I feel like the surfing Beowulf cluster guy always had something insightful to say, and, and I kept cutting him off. So I, I think I think maybe we should listen a little bit to uh, to some points that that Matt Ray was trying to uh, kind of extract from the conversation there. Oh yeah, put put put, <clears throat> put me on the spot. I mean. Blameless postmortems are the idea that it's not the individual actor who's at fault. Um, usually there's something about the way the organization is set up. You know, how, how this accident surfaced is, you know, a lack of preparation um, or, you know, consideration for the events that might have led to it. Uh, so instead of saying, you know, hey, it's the intern's fault. Um, like, you know, some people is like, maybe the intern shouldn't have been the one setting passwords for everything. Uh, you mm, know, yes. For, for example. Um, and so, you know, the, the idea is if you can get to a point where you look past the individual and you take this, the, the, uh, the, the, the organization um, as the responsible entity, well, then you can actually look to reform the organization. So these sorts of things don't happen again. That's, mm. that's the whole di- idea of blameless force motors is yes. The intern might've set the password to, you know, one, two, three. Uh, but why are you letting that happen? You know, and it's not that person's manager who's at fault. It's probably like, well, who thought, you know, we should have this, this in place. So, and why weren't there more reviews and how did this get to production and, and on and on and on. So, um, 
but the other point I wanted to make, like, because I think we were we were talking about Texas <laughs> and, and their utility grid and, you know, the, the finger pointing that immediately happened. And my other point was, like, you can't have blameless postmortems when you have known bad actors, people who mm-hmm. want the government to fail, people who are against it, who have been elected into positions to set it up to fail. You know, I mean, you have lots of Republicans who have said things like, uh, I want the government to be small enough to put it in a bathtub so I can drown it, to paraphrase. Mm. That's what you're living in, you know? Um, and just because, you know, Master Blaster isn't there to protect you, it's going to keep happening. And <laughs> so blameless postmortems only work if you're in an organization that wants to succeed. All right. So that's a good, yeah, uh, I think yeah. it's a good place to take it. And I just also want to like, I'll just read the, the tweet here. So John Osbaugh, he was uh, one one of the people, mostly, you know, basically said it. So I'll just read his tweet here verbatim. Almost reading aside, uh, he said he'd be happy to clear up misunderstandings about the stance. Seems apparent that a few critical misunderstandings are in play in this episode. So, one, John is welcome on the show anytime. We've reached out to him, and if you'd like to come on, I'm sure it would be a good, some good content. He can uh, tell us more about it. Um, but I guess the other thing I just wanted to add on to it is like, I guess you know the the or the thought I had around it is that what I have seen, and I guess this intern thing, I think was. I felt like was very instructive is that in practice, I hear the phrase thrown around a lot. Hey, we're, we're doing like DevOps. We're doing blameless postmortems. We're doing X, Y, Z. And, and I think it is fair to look at each one of these things and ask like, is it working? Can it be applied in most organizations? Is this something useful or what do you have to do to get to the point that this would be a useful uh, tool? Right. And I, I would just kind of throw out again, like as what probably what I said before was just like, the way this gets thrown around versus the reality of it actually being a useful tactic, I think is there's a wide gulf there, right? There's a wide gulf of uh, most organizations having a high trust organization uh, in a situation that Matt laid out that want to use this uh, in the correct manner. So if you want to say it's, it can be run in a very narrow set of organizations where there's a high trust and there's, um, a really good environment. I was like, I agree, like probably, but like in the vast majority of these things and back to the intern thing, like that intern comment this week really <laughs> resonated with me because it felt like this is how things happen. You're in most, well, we, we, in we most should, organizations, we should, uh, right? And the, that's the let, thing. Let, like, let's, let's, let's cover mm-hmm. what that is. Like, uh, it's basically that the, the former SolarWinds CEO like blamed an intern for setting a uh, a bad password, which I think was SolarWinds one two three or something. Yes. <laughs> and so there was there was some uh, uh, some blame assigned for a bad right. password. Being and just before and- we get, I just want to get off is like I realize a congrat. I just want to say this. I know this is not obvious, but like I realize a congressional hearing is not the setting for a blameless postmortem. Like, I, I think we're not saying no. that they went in, yeah. that anyone no, went into the hearing thinking like, wow, this is going to be a chance for us to be a learning organization. That's not the, the congressional <laughs> hearing, not what that's going no, to be used that, for. That is, so, where, where was it that we worked that had the blame stormer? You know, the, um, the, the big foam finger that pointed at people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so there was blame that. So, stormer. so I, we get it. We get, I understand that. But I just think like what resonated me though was just like, this is sort of an unprecedented level of like, you know, congressional hearings, like the highest level. I don't know what's left after that, but I'm just saying in most organizations, <laughs> there is this, like, there always is like, there's somebody, there's this, this idea that like someone at a high level, you know, calls out or names someone at a lower level, like that resonated with these, like this organization. Now this I am familiar with. Right. And that feels yes. very much like, 
is is something that's in practice all the way around. And it even got me thinking, like, well, what's the opposite of a blameless postmortem? Like, where, like, and I th- I was thinking of security. Like, security has like red team, blue team, where it's it's uh, adversarial, right? It's set up to be that way. Like, I'm gonna try to defeat the security things that you put in place, and like, it sort of plays to human nature a little bit. So I don't know. It got me thinking, like. The blameless postmortem, like, it's very hard to do in practice, or at least I think it is, you know? And uh, so is there a different model? And I do think it's fair to, like, question all of these things about, like, if, if it gets talked about a lot and there's a lot of talks about it, but very few people can really do it, like, that's probably a good thing to talk about, too, right? Like, hey, hey yeah. how, do we, how do we move past that? But there, there are definitely organizations that have achieved it, and there are definitely learning organizations. Fair enough. And they're the ones 100% agree on that. And, and, and the places it doesn't work are the places that are like, you know what? We, we paid our money. We bought DevOps. How come it's not working? Right. Right. That, that full stop. I mean, that's what it is. It's like, you know, you are not – you can't buy these things. It has to be your culture. And, you know, culture's hard. Nobody really wants to do it. They'd rather just, you know, throw the bums out and, and you know, put some new, you know, jerks in place every two years. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, you, you, uh, I, what was I listening to? There's something I was listening to that brought up the, uh, the bad actor thing. And it was, uh, oh, I know. It was like, was it, it was a, like a the, Nicolas Cage retrospective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow. Good, good. Uh, you know, wh- what do you call a pun when it's a phrase? Is there, is there a name? Cause a, a pun is one word, right? But like a pun that's off a phrase must have a, its own kind of, uh, thing. Anyways. Like, like I, it, it was, it was, uh, the most recent Ditherings episode where they they were talking about like those, those, uh, email pixels and in email. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the position was basically like, on the one hand, it's negative cause it's spam and, you know, big brother capitalism, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like all that privacy. But then on the other hand, as Ben Thompson was saying, uh, you actually have to use those ironically enough to figure out if your emails are being categorized as spam and no one's opening them so you can fix that problem and like their their whole point was like you know email was great but then you got all these bad actors who come in and ruin it right and so it is i mean i know what i'm angling towards is like some sort of like you know mutual assured destruction game theory stuff but like (laughs) <laughs> like studying how 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 you do change with like bad actors would be fascinating right yeah. like what do you do with like well with, that's that when you don't have the you know, ideal situation let's get all spawned to, to talk about how to deal with you know bad actors but but yeah yeah i mean there's uh that's why that's why i love those books what was it the uh it's an old i'll have to find it for the show notes available at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 288 but one of my favorite business books is like from 1983 and it's called like, oh man, I don't really even remember, but it's like a study of like the, stri- the not the strap line, but the summary would be like how large corporations actually work, right? Mm. And it has all this like infighting and stuff. And then there's another, the, the modern version of that was written by a, a Gartner analyst. I forget her name uh, off the top of my head, but it's basically the, uh, the CIO, C, what is it? The Wolf and CIO's Clothing. And like it's all about if you have to deal with bad actors, like how yeah. to uh, not go crazy. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it is like uh, it's almost like you know we're looking. You know, I, I'm I'm totally off the topic of the uh, the blameless stuff, but like it is like you know we're looking into buying a house, and when you buy a house, you're entering into these almost hostile negotiations. Yeah, like where where your real estate broker is basically like, do not ever talk to them again. 
we will go do this right and and like <laughs> you have you, you know in in order to have like be able to sleep at night you basically have to hire this third party because someone else has hired this third party and you're just like uh why couldn't yeah. we just have like coffee together and sort it out but like i don't know here we are and Brandon's here we are take showers <laughs> like, yep and maybe maybe that's that's always the issue is like, you know, well, if you want to take cold showers and you should think like that and you're like, I would love not to take cold showers. And, well, uh, and I'd love to not live in that world. But, you know, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got a f- bad actors. I should look that up. <laughs> is, that, is that like an academic term that I can go look at ResearchGate Probably. for? Probably. I, I, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, because in, in things like game theory, everybody is an actor, right? Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. As long as there's not those formulas with a bunch of Greek in them. Like, I think, I think I can uh, figure something <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And, and what is yeah. the deal with those formulas? You look at them and it's like answer Cote wants equals P, open paren, Q, close paren, times. Minus, minus one. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> always, it's always like some great revelation that you've got like this formula that's basically like P equals Q <laughs> times X. And you're like, what? You, you right? just like, described my experience in like, you know, I, all the mathematics classes I'd had where I would have, I'd sit in a class for an hour and a half and I'd have about 10 seconds of revelation the entire time. Like I get it. And then the rest of the time I'd be like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, clearly it's, it's, it's like when you look at math formulas like that, it's some sort of programming language that I don't know. That's trying to express in a very concise way, a simple concept. And uh, I don't know. Anyhow, well, Anyhow, speaking of programming languages you don't know. Hopefully we can uh, get a good price on the house. <laughs> uh, Redmonk just put out their uh, programming language rankings for 2021. You like how I did that? <laughs> That's right. That was good. That was good. That was good. Thank you. I, I need constant reinforcement uh, during the show. Um, yeah, so uh, the highlight for me of this article was um, their click to embiggen. I love the fact that embiggen has become a real word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Simpsons, Conan O'Brien. But, uh, uh, you know, there there probably weren't a lot of surprises on this list. Uh, or, or were there? I mean, um, Brandon, uh, you know, anything jump out at you? You're like, I did not see that happening. No, I mean, the, I guess I have probably had this uh, conversation every time. It's like, is CSS a programming language? That was my first thing. I was like, why is like, I feel like hey, that CSS is, begins us all. Yeah, I feel like that's different. So I, I believe that should be um I don't know. We'll have to get with uh, Mr. O'Grady and, you know, make our case. CSS is not a programming language, but I don't know. Well, I don't even know. Well, for that, I don't even know if everyone agrees with that, but that was pretty much uh, the only, I think it's, it's just reinforcement of what we know. I mean, I think JavaScript has just taken over um, probably yeah. like a little surprise, like Python is ahead of Java. I just feel like there's so much Java in the world. Like it's just the backbone Agreed. of so much enterprise. Like it, if I had to guess, I just feel like that's, you know, I'd flip those two. Um, but the rest of it is, you know, is very much what we've seen over and over again. It's, you know, it's always surprising to see like C++ still, still fighting the good fight, still hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah. Still up there. But, yeah, um, the, and then, uh, you know, Swift obviously. And then I guess Rust, Rust seems like the new thing, right? I feel like that, I don't know how much it moved up this year. That feels like one that is like, it's on, like if you're buying stock, it feels like Rust is a good place to buy stock. It feels like that's, mm-hmm. that's going to be around. That's like, I don't know what we'd call it. Sort of like the new systems language of the future, you know, that's everyone Definitely. likes it. In fact, somebody rewrote, uh, what was it? They wrote a flash in like Rust or something. And it's like, <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. I shouldn't yeah. have done that, but 
it, it does seem like well it's a lot safer but you still shouldn't have done that don't do that that was bad yeah but, uh, now, yeah, now all those bad. flash apps can live again yeah like that was um, like we were all happy with flash dying no one wanted to see I, that i wasn't I, I desktop tower defense <laughs> I, I need to get that back out uh but yeah i i think um you know there there was uh uh um Plus Weekly had an interview with uh, one of the, the Rust maintainers, and you know he made point that it's one of those languages that is really growing under the waterline that people aren't paying enough attention to. Obviously, you know, working on Rust full time, uh, but um, the Linux uh, Linus Torvalds has said that he would allow Rust into the kernel, um, and that he he said no to C++. So um, <laughs> that, that's interesting uh, and that fact. But, you know, looking through this, uh, you know, my, my day-to-day program language is still Ruby, but uh, I'm, I'm learning myself some Go and, and Go is, uh, I guess, out of favor. I don't know, but um, it's, it's going to stay, stay up there for, for quite some time. Um, I guess it's also time for everyone who's not already on the, the JavaScript train to either get on that or TypeScript, right? right? Well, it's interesting that mo- some of the languages, it's, it feels like the the big behemoths are pretty well represented here, right? So you have yeah. Go is the Google, right? That's their thing. And then, of course, um, Swift is, you know, that's what I like. That's that's the Apple thing. Um, I don't know. It's kind of surprising as I look at it. I was like, wow, Amazon hasn't invented its own programming language yet? Like, that must be coming. <laughs> I just feel like, why don't they have that one, right? That is interesting. And then um, C Sharp, of course, that's the, the, you know, our friends at Microsoft. So um, and I would, you know, almost say uh, Facebook. I mean, I know they're not. It's, it's not like they're they PHP. Invented. I thought yeah. they're JavaScript. I thought they were like. All, oh no, they're, they're like, P. Well, no, they, they're the ones well, who have like all the big PHP engines and and their sites. All right. Well, you, you destroyed know. my point. I was see, like, see? I, 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 you know, <laughs> your facts it's have destroyed like my, my good narrative. I was like, oh, but, well, but also a lot of their backend tools are are you know they're starting to write stuff in, Man, in I thought Rust. they were doing um, a ton of stuff in Node and JavaScript. Now I'm going to have to look this up. All right. Well, maybe. Yeah. All right. So the last one, I guess I got wrong. You know, fail me on that one. But uh, so it's yeah. kind of interesting that those, uh, and then Java, of course, you know, just, I guess it's, Java's Oracle, not going anywhere. but it's just, yeah. yeah, it's just going to be here forever. And, and maybe it is. I know uh, Amazon has like, they have their own version of Java and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe that's kind of their defect. And, and Kotlin's on there too, which, you know, runs on the JVM and, um, and Scala. So, you know, Java is still very well represented. I, this is another one that is interesting. I was looking at is like shell. Is shell a programming language? Am I right? 14? More I don't than know. CSS. That's, More than CSS. I was going to say, like, we got to, <laughs> I, I have some issues here. Well, I, we, we, need an, uh, we need an official uh, ruling I, from shell O'Grady. Shell like, why is CSS and shell? Like, I would agree if you had to rate them. Shell is more like a language than CSS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't look at the methodology for, uh, for this one, but the past ones, they pull from... Uh, from you know GitHub and Stack Overflow and things like that to kind of do some analysis of. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, everyone much, should read the thing. I mean, this is full O'Grady right here. I mean, we're like you know a couple thousand words into this. I mean, this he's got he's got everything. You know, this is right, right, right. You know, right. well, j- just this is just like be, the Matt I, I Levine think... article of uh, programming languages. Mm, nice, that's good. And <laughs> Stephen O'Grady is the Matt Levine. He is. I mean, he kind of uh, is. Like when he goes to town. Too. He goes to town. Not as frequent, though. He doesn't. He's not as prolific. But he's, he's up. So, so my my. Uh, I mean, I think that's why you see things like shell and CSS, right? Is that it's in the data set, and it's it's just like you know, uh, it goes to the usage of it, right? It, I think I think the way you can use this this kind of chart, this this uh, study, especially this one, is to one 
sort of convince yourself and others of the long-term stability of a language and and then you know the ubiquity of it and is ubiquity the right word how how much it's used and therefore the stability of it and then yeah the occasional like winners in the new languages uh that come up like your your goes and your kotlins and i mean i think that's one of the things that made this um this language uh language ranking famous is when they kind of when uh uh, Red Monk track that Swift was a big deal. And I remember for, I don't know how long, but they were quoted in Apple press releases for a while. And so it, it was just, it was just sort of like, you know, there's a, like Apple comes out with this wackadoodle language. Is, is it going to be a big deal? And then you get this validation that like, actually, yes, it is like a big deal. And uh, so that kind of tracking is good too. When some, something emerges from the, uh, the pack there. Hey, we should also and, just give, um, cause I want to give everyone credit. We should give Rachel Stevens, uh, credit. She was actually the one. So I guess, uh, you know, O'Grady does the writing Rachel. I think she did all the, uh, she wrote all the queries. I think she did all the data analysis. Um, I guess they even pull in some stack overflow data. So this thing's getting pretty sophisticated. So, uh, did we have her? I think I interviewed her on our Yeah, like many years ago. So, but we should yeah. at least give her. It sounds like she's doing update um, that. She's doing the the analytic work, right? I don't know. I was trying to think if like who does she, she, She's needs. doing that. Who is she? The, the she's number the, 11. Is she the yeah, Sarah she's bringing Cliff? the R to this. I don't know. I don't know. She's the uh, analysis person, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We got to figure that out. All right, or, but or we not. still but I still I still want to I still think we throw CSS out. That's going to be my only recommendation <laughs> for next year. It's like I'm just I'm just taking that calls up. We don't CSS need that. CSS is yeah, out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah I, I CSS also, is I, in. Please put HTML in. For, for the, for the <laughs> oh, sake of. Uh, that's true. That would be true. Now, if HTML goes in, this, this, this I, ranking I think goes it's, out I think the it's window. in there. Yeah. I, I, th- I think also for the sake of legacy conf, we've got to start getting them to track COBOL and RPG mm. maybe. Let's see. I think and, it's uh, in there. It's just like so far down. I, I saw Fortran, it's but like, I looked at a while for. Can I get a shout out for. For some uh, some prologue, maybe. I can't even. Yeah, I, I mean, we got to support our uh, workers' comp people in New Jersey, right? <laughs> oh yeah, they, they need right. some love. It must be new. You're right. I guess it's not on the chart. We'll have to find some way to search it. It's like I don't know. Maybe it's just too far down there. I, I think it's so. just because there's there's very little COBOL in GitHub. I mean, there's some and, bad uh, stuff in here. Cold Fusion. You look when you get like further down, you're like, oof. There's some bad stuff Oof. going on here. It's like should, should stuff oh, that man. should not exist. Yeah, but looking all right, at all right. this, like too many languages I've done that I don't want to well, do again. So, well, there's two more things I wanted to go over. One, okay, one, uh, you know, maybe maybe not too extensively, uh, but but it looks like is Octa bot Otho, or is that Auth zero? Auth zero, and yeah, yeah. zero. My yeah. my, Octo. I I know what Octa is because oh my gosh, to... that's a mouthful. Octa Octo, Octo. <laughs> we we uh, we would use Octa at uh, at uh, Pivotal, and I have to yep. say. It was fine, right? Yeah. Like it did the job. It was great, uh, and uh, but I don't know what a Otho Auth Zero is. What's Auth Zero? Auth- All right. So the uh, next thing here is Auth Zero is mostly just another you know access management provider. Now I do think uh, on the Okta thing, we'll just drill down into the features. Like as far as I can tell, Okta's two-factor authentication app, Okta Verify, can only be installed on one device. And they do not allow you to have get the backup codes or register a second device. I don't to like me, that. What's that? I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like inexcusable. I don't understand like why this has existed. So if that's like having else, one key to your house. Right. Like, just I just like, think, I, hey, oh. base, like if you're talking about access management, even before you get to like access management rules and some sophisticated, I need MFA and I need to at least have multiple ways to register something or give me some backup codes. 
So anyway, my hope is Auth0, uh, they've got you know a nice MFA suite. So I would hope that that could slot it in to Okta Verify. And and you know why that doesn't exist today, I don't I don't know. And then people are going to say, well, you, you know, general users don't care, they don't know about it. That's not an excuse. Like you need to at least give people the chance to do the right thing. Like if I break my phone or lose it, very common. What is a way other than having to contact the help desk that I can get logged in? I mean, just that's just to me has to happen. But I do think on the financial side, uh, the thing that was surprising, I think it surprised most people is they paid over $6 billion in stock. But I actually like the idea of Okta doing this. I think they're worth about $30 yeah. billion, And I think valuations are high. And I think when you have a highly valued stock, um, you definitely want to use that stock to like, you know, shore up your position. So buying up a competitor, getting some new features and functions. Um, to me, it made sense. Now, of course, you know, again, this is not an investment show. It looked like Octa was way <laughs> down on the news. People were like, did not like it. But I was like, I think it's, I thought it was, I personally thought it was a good idea. So I don't know. The stock prices will come up and go up yeah, and down in a few fine. days. So, so, so the, uh, the, the Auth0 does the same thing? It does a lot of the no, same stuff. So no. the, the, to me, the, the big miss here, though, is like, hey, if you're going to spend $6 billion, I really think they should have bought SailPoint, right? That would have been the identity management. Mm-hmm. That would have been the complementary product they're missing. And then they could have just sold it together. Probably lots of reasons, political and stock market-wise, they can't do it. But that seems like if you're going to buy something like that, why not buy like an, a very strong adjacent product? Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say Auth0 focused more on authentication for the applications, where Okta was more ah, focused okay. on the like single sign-on across applications. Right. So one of them is handling like, how do we stitch all these things together? And then the other was handling, how do we make this thing stitchable? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, So, you know, I I think, I think, you know, to to overuse the word, there's some good synergies here. (laughs) Right. Right. What, one of them's for robots, the other's for meat sacks. Yeah. That's just raise the question. Like the book that gets written on Octa, like how they got to be a $30 billion company. Like, I mean, this is potentially a company like in 10 years you could see just not existing, especially if like Microsoft. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm just I, saying like I mean, you are in perilous position of like Salesforce, Microsoft, Google. You have a bunch of people that if they got serious about wanting to own this single sign-on enterprise Denny stuff, like you would be in a world of hurt. Yeah, but 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 the, the difference is, you know, there are independent players who are well-positioned because, you know, if it's Microsoft, people are going to be like, well, how well are they going to integrate with? Microsoft competitors, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, it's, you, it's just like these, these you know, clouds. Know. You're like, just going to have a hard time convincing me, like Forge Rock, Oracle Identity Manager, Oracle Access Manager. I mean, any of these, like, they're not even worth, you know, a fraction of what this is. You're going to say, and that their product well, maybe is maybe it's because like, they suck. I don't think so. I just went over. What is the rule? Like, let's, let's, let's look up, let's put up the, the Harvey balls on Okta and show me where it's better. They don't even have two-factor authentication on it's multiple on the devices. Roadmap, like, what is like? What else <laughs> can you possibly roadmap. be working on? Like, what else is possibly like? What is higher than that? Access controls. <laughs> it's like, well, you, you know, so I don't use Okta anymore because here at VMware we have. Uh, this is not my area, so I am not representing my employer or anything mm-hmm. here. But we use like Workspace One. And it's like, as far as I, oh, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's exactly the same thing uh, as as Okta from my perspective of a yeah, right. Oh no, Kote, do you have multiple devices for two FI? 
Oh, slow down, Brandon. Oh, you don't even know. No, but that is because we use the RSA thing, which now is not part of the Dell Technologies family, as I recall. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. So you moved on, but you've got a separate multi-factor. No, 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 no. There's there's an app on my phone, but it's only on my phone. So, well, that's better Does it support multiple app? Like, you know, vendors can use the the Google one? No, no. But... uh, I, I enjoy being employed and, and the, but, but basically the UI I'm looking at right now, right? Like you open it up and, uh, because I have some policy on my laptop, like I don't have to log in all the time uh-huh. and like I click on tiles and I can go to concur and done, right? Like it, to, to, to the point of what you are saying, like it does what Okta does as far as what I used to use and it's fine. So it is like, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, it is a weird space. Now, now that said, I highly value that I don't have to track passwords for all of these, let alone mm-hmm. when it comes to having to reset my password in yep. some inscrutable pattern. Like I don't have to go reset it across. All right, all but these let's be things. careful here, right? That is not that is not Okta. That is a separate product. That that right, right, would right. be sale point. No, but there's I, 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 I'm just I'm no, just but saying, I'm saying for, resetting your password is not Okta. They do not do that. that I'm just is saying that's a they, different they, product. I'm saying from thing. an in, I'm, from an end user perspective, the alternative of these, I don't know, let's say 15 tiles I'm looking at that are my so-called favorites. Now, can mm-hmm. we, as a footnote, I'm with you. In enterprise software, you should never use the word favorites because they're they're not con- <laughs> quick concur links, bookmarks. <laughs> concur is not one of my favorites. Yeah, it's, yeah. Some, it's some shit that I easily want to find, right? Like, yes. like let me look at this. None of these. Well, I like Adobe Creative Cloud. I, I would say that's a favorite. But these other ones, not favorites. Uh, anyways, uh, so, like, if I didn't have these tiles to click on, my assumption would be that I would have to maintain usernames and passwords for all of them. And then I would have to go and reset passwords. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I yeah. am going to, like, I'm going to take the floor here. It's like Okta, single sign-on access management. They do that part. They're not yeah. the ones doing the provisioning and the password side of it. That's why you have to buy a different product. Like I mentioned earlier, SailPoint, and there's many others, identity management sites. Really? So, so yes, this is what, this is back to the $30 billion. I'm like, I've, we I've cracked got like, this you know, product open. Out, You're not going to see as much as you think. And mm-hmm. it controls my sign-on to all the other For things. access management. That's right. They're just yeah. doing the access management. The, the products right. that actually do the propagation and actually, if you will, provisioning the users are different. Right? Uh, That's sure. something like SailPoint, right? So something like that. So like people think... And I think people just do, and I don't mean it well, in but a bad that, way. That, that's the thing about, about Auth0, though, is they're not, you know, so clearly Okta and SailPoint overlap a lot more, no, right? So so maybe this is, they don't? They don't offer, they do not. Ah. That's the whole point. SailPoint is the place if you want you to. You know like, what, they'll just buy provision. SailPoint next, right? They'll, they'll just tie I agree, like, market. listen, hey, if they had $6 billion, go get that one. That would be the obvious one, right? Because just what you're saying, what you're saying right here is, is my whole point. It's like people already assume they do it. They don't even do it, right? They don't even do the provisioning side of it. So, so there's, there's so work maybe, to be done there. Maybe, I don't know if this analogy works, probably not. But Okta is like a dashboard, and SailPoint is like an agent, that actually does the work. I think that works here. I think that's that's pretty close. Yeah, that's good, right? Okay, okay. You yeah. got it. You got a. You got you got the. Uh, okay, all right. That makes sense. Well, you, I'm repeating what you. So, said. but you just got to think like so again. Like if you're in the market, you're like, access management is worth thirty billion dollars in Okta, which I think is arguably, I think a simpler problem. 
SailPoint, the leader and user in identity management, is worth six. You're like, there seems to be some arbitrage here, right? Like, I think people don't truly understand what these markets are and like why one, why, why there would be such a significant difference in the leader in one area versus the other when you're really, but, but, when these things are very much tied together, right? You have yeah, to have, but I do, th- I do think, I do think these are insanely sticky, right? That so, I you know, the renewal that. rate has to be off the charts and they're paying by the seat. And so, you know, as companies grow and get bigger and consume more, I'm sure that, you know, they're, their you know ARR absolutely because uh, but I think of good. the two identity management the ones that actually go behind the scenes and like create the password the identity management is even stickier because it's just uglier the integration is even harder right there oh yeah whereas when yeah. you're just front ending the app there's usually some SAML and some nice standards when you actually get into provisioning huh. it's just a nightmare it's just a yeah, nightmare so, of spaghetti code that, that's interesting you've you've got you've got a couple things screwing about like you got who who owns the eyeballs or the customers right. And then, and then you have the usual thing of like, Morlock software has a hard problem getting a, a good valuation, like because it, it's like very obtuse to understand that like this is where the actual hard work is done, versus like this is where the pixels look pretty. Well, I, I mean, you know, you probably just need to look at the multiplier on earnings uh, on mm-hmm. uh, revenue to stock, right? It's, yeah. yeah. I, bet I bet both Auth Zero and, and Octa are probably doing fairly well for themselves yeah sounds like a good good combo so there you go we'll see see if it happens all right now last thing i want to go over just (laughs) last thing the last thing just to uh verify my read of the article so so someone uh, you know who knows who they they uh pointed out in our 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 slack which you could join if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com we track all sorts of stuff good conversation over there but there's there's some uh, academic person which is great, who was saying that uh, now the reason I want to go over this is the clickbait title was one easy solution to Zoom fatigue, and I couldn't quite figure out what the one easy solution was. It looks like (laughs) from reading it that the premise is that there are several things that cause uh, Zoom fatigue. One of them is you've got a lot of intense, prolonged eye contact. It's hard to look at yourself for so long. You can't move around on a video call. And video calls require a heavy cognitive load. I'm going to throw that fourth one out because that's just sort of like, I would like more detail, right? Like, <laughs> like I think that's the premise of the whole deal here. Uh, and so, so I think the one thing is to not look at yourself while you're on a Zoom call because I feel like the other ones is what happens in meetings when you're in person. Is and so I just wanted to uh, verify. Yeah, I mean, meetings meetings are exhaustive. Uh, I don't know if video calls have a heavier cognitive load. I mean, it's it's just like you know real meetings where you know if there are five, ten people in a meeting and you're not you know one of the key people in that meeting, you kind of check out. (laughs) (laughs) And and maybe on a Zoom call, you've got a second or third monitor where you can you know read Twitter while you're doing it. It's harder to do that in a in person meeting. I'm just I, I read yeah. into this to your to try to answer your question. I just read into this as like, hey, w- when you can turn off the video in your uh, that that one because yeah. I mean because the second one here, I don't know, it just feels it just really rings true with me. It's exhausting to see yourself for so long. It's like, yeah, I yeah, agree. yeah. And I guess also in a lot of these, um, at least in Zoom, right, you can say uh, like hide yourself, right? So maybe the, so maybe that would be the two actionable things is like if you can, 
if you're going to have video, maybe turn off the ability to see yourself and, and also maybe take some time sometimes to just turn off video in general and see if you can, if, especially if you're yeah, not actively yeah, participating. Yeah. yeah. So, so my question was like, like I totally would get if people are on, let me rephrase that. I totally get if the issue is that people are in more meetings, then that is exhausting, especially, and I totally agree. Like, I think, uh, even even me, who's like edited videos of myself for like over ten years and listened to my voice and everything, like it is, it is more relaxing to have my video turned off because I can just like you know not because I can stare into the distance. But it's also more relaxing in the same way that it's more relaxing not to be face to face with someone in a meeting, <laughs> right? Yeah, true. So. So maybe, I, you know, I, I think I think that those seem like the two things. One, like if you're having more meetings because everyone works at home, then like, yes, not cool. Right. And then two, like, yeah, I mean, I don't think most people like looking at themselves. And so I could see that that was because you get you get the extra cognitive load of like worrying about what your appearances are and how you look. Whereas I think maybe in a face to face setting, like you've at least taken a shower that day. And so like, you know, you you've like you've uh preloaded your cognitive load and like sprucing up and looking good whereas like when you're like on on zoom and stuff like you kind of it's like remember uh in the first batman movie where all the anchors get killed off and there's just like the leftovers who don't use cosmetics because that's where the poison is like you know you sort of worry about being those people instead of uh the good anchors and who doesn't be good anchors I mean, come on! That was a that was a great I mean, movie. Come on, of course, that's the first thing that came to my mind too. Shocking! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I see, I see what happened there. All right, well, uh, do we have any bureaucracy to go over, Brandon? A little bit. We're about to play a new game. We're about to test Matt's uh, knowledge of uh, Australian geography. Uh-huh. All right, so uh-huh. I sent stickers to Matthew, and Matthew lives in. I don't. This is another game we're about to play. Can Brandon say this the name of this town correctly? That's I believe hard. it's pronounced. Gugong. So Matt, before Gugong. looking at the show notes and knowing where it is, what state, Australian state, is Gugon in? Oh geez. Is it in the show notes where I can at least read it? No, is it no. spelled G-O-O-G-O-N-G. How where is I? that, Matt? Where is that in Australia? Come on. You're... Victoria. No, it's in uh N what NSW NSW, New South Wales. New South Wales. So that's in uh it was one or the other. (laughs) Yeah, actually when I looked at the map, I was like, actually, no, there's not a lot of people in this country. So there's only actually Uh, there's there's a very uh you play the odds. You you can always play that. So that is in uh, because there's there's a there's a G long in in Victoria. I was like Gugong, V Long. Well, I don't know over you know, I don't think you knew what it was, but you can definitely say I said it wrong because there's really no way to to tell if I said it correctly. So, but anyway, I want to thank uh, Matt for writing in and hopefully his stickers made it to uh, New South Wales, Australia uh, by now. And of course, now, if you I, want I, to, I, hmm? Oh, sorry. I have a follow-up question before. Well, tell people how they can get stickers. All right. Well, if you want a sticker, we're happy to send you one. All you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. I think we're still looking for the South Pole, right? I don't think we've sent any there. No, so definitely not that. In, that we we gotta do, we gotta do that. No, no South Pole. All right, so I have a follow up question, uh, Matt Ray. Now, now, last episode, I think, or in the Slack channel, I think we talked about why it is the North Territory when there is no Northern South Territory, yes. Northern Territory, and there's no Southern Territory. It seems like like uh, gold plating to point out its geography. It, it basically, 
Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it could also be called only territory. <laughs> uh, there's Australian capital territory. Oh, which is, is that like, like a DC? Their, yeah, that's kind of like their DC. Okay, so okay, it's that's not fair. A state, right? I got it. Okay, okay. I mean, all right. So we could call it the kind of sorta only territory. The only, <laughs> sure, the only, sure. the only big ass territory. Yeah, d- definitely big ass. Yeah. So, so okay. So you know, uh, I have this affliction. So I see uh, a phrase like New South Wales. Yes. Now I know Wales is a place back in jolly old England. Yep. But so is it is it new? Back in the UK, there was a South Wales, and this is the new version of it. Or is it New Pretty Wales much. that is South? <laughs> it's it's the new version of South Wales from England because New South Wales is right in the middle. So basically, what you're saying <laughs> is that in England, there's a North Wales. And, Probably, and we're, we're like, yeah. we're like, this is not the new version of North Wales, West Wales, or East Wales. This yes. is the new version of South Wales. <laughs> right. That happens. Right. Now, is, is South Wales south or north in Australia? Uh, new South Wales is below. It's kind of like if you cut it in half horizontally, it would be starting at the, the equator and, and, and oh, going down. Oh, man. So, okay. All the, so way, to it, the, all it the is, way to the ocean? Uh, well, it, it's on the border, but Victoria... Where where Melbourne is is below it, uh, and obviously Tasmania. But oh, con- uh, yeah. confounding. So it's not yes. actually the the exact south. It's 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 no. New South Wales, which is in the middle. It's kind of like South Carolina, or or you know they're south, but there's more stuff south of them. Now now hold on, it's South Carolina because there's a Carolina north of it. Now okay. all of a sudden we're we're back in northern right, territory. Right. It, territory. It, it, right, it's more like North Carolina. Okay, right. Okay. It's like North Carolina, part of the south. But now, and I'm not, I'm not meaning to be a, a pedant asshole, but isn't North Carolina just called Carolina? Do I have that no. right? No, 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 no. no, no. There's, 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 no, it's Virginia and West Virginia that yes. I always find is amusing right. where it's just like, it's odd that you would. Okay. Okay. I, yes. I just like, I'm very, uh, and when it comes to naming, I want to make sure there's consistency on both sides. Know your geography. Brought to you okay. by <laughs> All right. All right. Good, good, good. Well, uh, we got a couple conferences coming up. Actually, I think it's over now because uh, DevOps Days Texas was uh, the second and the third. And it this happened. Is the fourth. Sounds like it went well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully, I'll be able to check in on that. It, it sounded good. Now, uh, we have uh, over in VMware Tanzu land, we've got Spring One uh, I.O. coming up September 1st and 2nd. The CFP is open until April 9th. Now, I help pick talks for uh, one of the tracks there. You should submit some talks. It would be uh, it'd be fun uh, to see you there. Now we still we also have some Spring One tours coming up uh, pretty soon in the U.S. Uh, across all your north, south, east, and west on March 10th and 11th, and then next month in April there's an EMEA one uh, that I'll be doing some stuff on in April uh, 28th. But if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can find links to all of that stuff uh, and other exciting things. With that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, my recommendation this week is uh, a website that I found while review while reading about a movie I watched. So the movie I watched was called The Dig. It's uh, it's just kind of a slow historical um, movie about an archaeological dig right before it started World War II in England. Not you know it was it was good enough. It was entertaining. But uh, the website is called History versus Hollywood, where they kind of tell you like. You know, here are the here are the real people photos of the people that historical movies were based off of versus the mm. actors who played them, and kind of the liberties they took with the truth. And you know, that was a 
a rat hole of of reading where you know all those like you know movies that you saw like how realistic were they big lebowski's in there which is interesting but uh yeah so you know i i yeah the dig pretty good you know uh my wife uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, that's that's our, our, our speed. Uh, if you like The Crown, you probably like that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, History vs. Hollywood, lots of tangents and things to go read, which is, is, is I enjoyed. How about yourself, Brandon? Um, well, first, I just wanted to go back and say, is, you know, we got a lot of feedback on our take on uh, Flameless Postmortem. So I look forward to our take <laughs> on uh, Australian geography. I don't think that I don't, I'm going to say I don't think we did that well. So I look forward to it. Um, <laughs> I, I, th- I think I think the proper response to that is get a get a map. Get a map. Yeah, like, I don't think that probably. Wasn't I think our, I think that the probably wasn't our finest would, moment right there. Australian geography. So. I think I think the Australians would lace a few like three to five more words of profanity into that oh, simple yeah. phrase. They, they enjoy some profanities. Uh, but uh, this week I'm going to recommend defending Jacob, which is on Apple TV, uh, which I really enjoyed. It was uh, kind of a, a dark look at uh, kind of a, a family crisis and how uh, parents and the family deal with it. It has Chris Evans of uh, Marvel, uh, Captain America fame. I think he did a good job, and I thought the whole cast did a good job. It's probably, the, I think, the best thing I have personally seen on Apple TV, uh, which is like in perpetual free trial. So if you haven't like signed up for Apple TV, just sign up because they just keep like extending like the free trial like forever. Um, yeah. And I was going to yeah. say, I tried really hard. Uh, what's the? Everyone loves uh, the Ted. Uh, what's his name? What's the soccer one? Everyone loves it. Like I just, I don't think it's bad. But I just could never really get into it. Can never like really grasp why um, it was so good. So yeah. I, if you maybe if you're not into Ted Lasso and, and you're like, you, give this one a shot. Maybe it's kind of a different genre for you. So so check it out. Yeah, it, it you know on on the defaults lifestyle. You know, I canceled my Apple One subscription, and then and then you get like a year of Apple Plus TV. It's just like yeah, it's just oh, there. Okay, just like yeah, stick watch around. It. Yeah, hang out. Although, although retroactive, not retro. Recently, this week, my son said he missed reading the National Geographic and Apple News Plus. So I've, I'm gonna have to go back to the spreadsheets because that's nine ninety nine a month. Yeah, I gotta I work just, that I out. Know. I, don't, I feel yeah. you. Yeah, and 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 I don't know about y'all or the listeners, but if if my son wants to actually read, read. something, yes. I like, yes. like, yeah, like if, if there, if they, if there's two college kids with a truck full of books who come up and want to charge 30 euros a book, I'm all for it. I'm right. Like capitalism. Amen. Yay. Amen. Yeah. Free market. So I got to figure that Go out. Go for it. Whatever the market will bear. Yeah. All right. Well, my recommendation is, uh, I think, I think, uh, Kim, my wife sent me some of this and it's a YouTube channel where there's this guy who, uh, I guess his name might be Nathaniel, but it's called Nat's what I reckon. And he he uh, he with with uh, with a lot of I think I, I'm gonna open us up for some more criticism. I feel like he's Australian. If he's not Australian, he should be. But he like he basically shows you how to cook various things, and he's very uh, I, sassy about it. And I uh, think I sent that great. a long time ago. Well, I would he... like to underscore Matt Ray's recommendation from a long time ago. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty fantastic. What stuff. was the one that he? Oh God! Um, he makes like meatballs and like uh, just oh, anything. Yeah, and and you know it's entertaining, but his recipes, like you look at it and you're like, oh, that actually looks pretty good. I'm gonna go make that. It, it got my wife. It got Kim to want to make meatballs, which is I don't think something she's ever wanted to do. Oh, it was the eggnog one. I shared that oh, with my yes. wife. The eggnog one was really good. 
Yeah. So is that? Let me calibrate. Is that guy Australian? Am I? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. 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 I yeah. Was, the, I was, the eggnog and toboggan featuring Briggs. Yeah, he calls the uh, I forget what he calls the microwave, but he's got a, a great name for the microwave. And it's oh just, man, so it's good! Just, it's it's good stuff. So I I'm apologize. Gonna put, I'm going to put that in my picks too. Egg I apologize for my uh, my lack of Australian geography because this is a primo cultural product that country is putting out, <laughs> and uh, I so I, I appreciate it. Well, with that, as always, this has been software defined talk. Uh, if you want to get the show notes, the things we just recommended. All sorts of mentions and a bunch of news items that we didn't actually cover. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash, what do we got there? 288. Uh, And uh, get those. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Man, I was watching some of the videos that my kids watch, and we're in the wrong business, gentlemen. Like there, there's, there's, I forget, I forget what, there's a couple of YouTubers who do like these uh, line animations and I shit you not. It's just stories like, you know, uh, I, I wanted to have a hamburger. And so I I went down there and I got some ground meat and, and then I ran into a friend and we talked about, and it goes on like this for 20 minutes. It's like 7 million views. And I don't, I don't like, how's that different from this?